What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Kicks and Picks podcast. In our ongoing World Cup series, we are here to preview the U.S. national team, the episode everybody has been waiting for. And Scott and I have a very special guest. We have Adam here with the Scuffed podcast. Find these guys on Twitter, at Scuffed Pod. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling uh, optimistic about next week. All right. Love it. So we are mere hours away from the World Cup. Adam is the expert on U.S. soccer. So we are going to dive into everything about this team and in true kicks and picks fashion, give you guys some of the best bets that we are looking for uh, for the United States. So let's just jump right into it. Um, How about this roster? The 26-man list was released last week. What do you think, dude? Is it uh, about what you expected, or were there some surprises? I think there were a couple of surprises. There was, um, I think Tim Ream was a little bit of a surprise at center back. I don't think it was a surprise to fans who are watching soccer closely. I think a lot of people thought he should have been called up, but him having not been part of the, the group for a while and then getting called up for the World Cup, I think, was a surprise by definition. Um Haji Wright's inclusion was a surprise. Uh, he's the third striker, plays in Turkey. Um, not, I don't think Berhalter was super happy with his performance in June, in uh, friendly, and he he said that publicly. But he called him back in. It was a surprise that Ricardo Pepe, conversely, was not included. He was a big part of the the qualifying cycle for the U.S. So I think those are the big surprises. I mean, you know, way down the roster, Shaq Moore was included as a, you know, backup fullback, maybe even the third fullback on the right side instead of Reggie Cannon. I'm not sure that that is going to have any effect on who plays in the World Cup at this point. So I think um, Scotty and I had that those exact two circled, right? Uh, Haji Wright was a complete shock to me, and Pepe has been an absolute – Phenomenal form this year, club season um, for his new team. So we're right there with you. Yeah, I, I, I got to say it's it was disappointing to me for Pepe not to be included. I thought I think he's a great story. He's a great uh, sort of reflection of what our men's national team could be. You know, being Mexican American, being from El Paso, choosing sure. the USA over Mexico. I so I'm disappointed in all that. I think from a pure sporting perspective, it's it's a defensible decision to leave him off. I think huh. of the of the strikers we have available, he's probably, ah, you know, his underlying numbers aren't great. His XG and stuff. I don't know if you guys talk about that stuff. Oh, we Go love stats. XG. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. I, I almost wonder, could it have been a good move to call him just to get him the experience of being with the team through a World Cup cycle? Because I think we all fully expect him to be there next time around. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, especially considering, you know, there there are some guys down the roster. It's a 26-man roster, like you said. Guys down the roster who it's kind of hard to imagine them playing. You know, like Jordan Morris and Christian Roldan in particular, kind of whipping boys on USMNT Twitter. <laughs> but um, I do think, you know, dropping one of those to, to bring Pepe, you could argue for that. At a certain point, you just got to accept what the coach decides and um, – get behind the team. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm doing now. Fair enough. Um, So, you know, a big question that 
everybody uh, who tunes into the World Cup that doesn't follow it religiously will be asking, you know, what makes this squad different from others in the past? Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys probably talk about this stuff all the time on your pod, but um, it's the, the talent level is uh, objectively higher and you can measure that by how many players are playing in big clubs, big famous clubs, teams like Brazil, Germany, um, Brazil, Germany, Argentina, um, England, France, Italy. Italy, even though they're not at the world cup, they all have, you know, a full roster of players playing at big clubs or clubs that are competing for competing in the Champions League knockout rounds. For instance, the U.S. has never ha- had never had that up until about three years ago. I mean, I think when you think back to the history of the U.S. men's national team, Clint Dempsey probably had arguably the best club career. Mm-hmm. He was he was a star. For, I mean, he was a star might be a strong word, but he was a, an important player for Fulham. Yeah. And they made it. They made a run in uh, Europa League. They they lost in the final. He scored a great goal against Juventus. Fulham is a is a great club, and that was a great run. But Fulham is not a big club, and right. um, that's that's the difference. Now we have players at AC Milan. Uh, we have had players at Bayern Munich and Barcelona in the last three years. Dortmund, Chelsea. Uh, Zach Steffen was a backup at Man City. You know, so there's there's um there's a lot of examples of young American players playing at big clubs at a higher level of competition than ever before. That's the big difference. The question is, can they sort of coalesce into a unit that can be a contender? Well, not a contender. I don't think they're going to be contender at the world cup, but a unit that can do some damage at the world cup. Yeah. I think the U S team or the U S players over the last, you know, two decades or so, their prominence in European clubs have been, you know, the goalkeepers. I think we've been pretty good at right. exporting keepers. And I think they've kind of started to take that next step now where you are seeing a lot of the position players, the outfield players making their marks. And it's a slow process, right? You know, we do see some players that are making the jump to those top clubs, but there are still a lot of guys that are playing at like the mid-level Premier League clubs like Leeds or even at the championship level with Fulham. Um, but I think that does show the progress of where the development has gone for the U.S. men's national team, kind of like the refocus on making sure that, you know, the younger stage development is is more open to, to you know, the wide array of, of talent. And you've kind of talked about before we've started recording where, um, you know, there's a lot of, of uh, different storylines of, of players coming from different backgrounds. And you guys talked about it on your 15 minute primer pod that I, I, I listened to where it's, it is really true melting pot of, you know, players from different backgrounds coming in. Um, and I think that's kind of what the exciting part is, is that U.S. seems to have found a way to make that work. And it's been a challenge, right? I mean, uh, in France, even France, which is a big country with a lot of diversity as well, um, you know, they have like a, they have sort of a national training center. A lot of their players come from the Paris suburbs. It's uh, there's sort of like a, na- a naturally built unity to their program, and sort of natural unity to their program. The U.S. doesn't have that. You know, we have it's such a massive country, so many different soccer cultures. It's uh, it's been a challenge. I think it continues to be a challenge to bring all that together into a team that actually makes sense and plays together and and you know is committed to the same idea. We haven't really seen that from this team yet. Uh, maybe a little bit against Mexico and qualifying, but um, 
I think that's the big thing we all should be looking for next week is can we, are we going to come out and just look like a, like a speeding arrow of um, excellence, you know? And to that point, I mean, one, one thing, you know, we, we talked about it as a plus just now, right. Where our players are leveling up, they're playing for bigger clubs and that's ultimately what we want to see. But is that something of a disadvantage when they come together as a unit here? You know, you're talking about, I'm going to, pick a random team let's talk about a team like poland right where probably 20 of the 26 are playing in the polish league mm-hmm. i know that's not true but just as an example you know right some of these countries have guys that pretty much all play domestically and they're familiar with each other they're they're trained the same way they have the same style of play does it work to our disadvantage a little bit yes i think so and i and it's not that the players are all at big clubs, different big clubs. Cause that's going to be true even of Poland to some extent, right, but, just but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that. I know you're, you're throwing that out there. So <laughs> let's take, let's just do the same. I'll do the same thing. Like maybe 20 of the 26 players for Poland grew up in the same six or seven academies, you know? Right. And, um, and that those six or seven academies have some, some unity to them. The U S is, is different. I mean, there's, they're trying to, they're trying to do that. They're trying to have like sort of a unified development system, but it's, uh, it's difficult because it's such a big country and you got a, you know, academy from LA is not going to play the academy from New York regularly. So our two of our soccer hotbeds, relatively speaking, you know, there's not that much cross pollination until you get to like the finals of the development academy. Yeah. We're going to, people are going to lose us when we start talking about the development. Yeah. Academy, sorry. But, we went yeah, off on a tangent yeah, there. But. Yeah. No, that's good. It's good. I mean, I love talking about that stuff. But yeah, I think to long story short, it's a more talented team than we've ever had. It's yet to completely coalesce, but you know, there's always Monday could happen on Monday. Love it. Love the attitude. Uh, So before we, we move on from the roster. So Pulisic, you know, he's had some challenge minutes uh, at Chelsea this year. Uh, Gio Reyna, you know, another household name. He's been on and off injured. Um, You know, these, these guys are, you know, two of the household names, two of the main attacking threats, uh, is this worrying you at all? Not really. I mean, uh, no. Reina's been Reina, Reina's been a little lethargic, I would say, for Dortmund, but he has been healthy for about a month, and he's he's started I th- most of their games in that time. Um, Pulisic, I think he's been awfully bright off the bench for Chelsea. Sometimes he has to play in a more defensive role out wide, but. But generally, he's he's looked really good. He's just not, you know, he's got other players ahead of him, and that there's no shame in that. I know people get really mad about it, but it's now been like three managers in a row, right? That have essentially made the same decision about him. So he he's not being hard. I don't think he's you know the victim of some great injustice or anything. He's a good, he's a good player. He's not quite as good according to these managers as the people ahead of him but when he does get on the field lately he's looked i think he's looked really good and i think he's gonna have a chip on his shoulder he always has and he's i expect some big things from him next week all right well that leads right in man so you know we talked about him household name um pulisic you just identified any can i let me let me say one more thing about those two guys i think reina i think reina is the um is kind of our x factor though like he I, I mentioned he's been a little lethargic with Dortmund lately. He just hasn't, he's a player who doesn't look like he's trying that hard, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of, that's like one of his great charms. Um, he, he has a calm and a, um, you know, ability to, 
to just make the correct decision without without feeling too looking too troubled about it. Um, if he comes in and plays like you know his heart out, he is the guy who's going to be able to like for instance against Wales, who's going to have a. I know we'll get to it, but Wales is going to play sit pretty deep against us. It's going to be difficult for us to break them down. We've had trouble breaking down teams that sit deep against us basically the entire Burhalter era. Um, Reina is the guy who is going to be able to receive that ball in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of a crowd of people and then do something cool and unlock them. I think he's really the, I think he's really the guy who can do that. So I, he's almost, you know, Pulisic and Reina super important. They're the guys to highlight, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think I would worry about Reina being lethargic in the last month. Cause I think that's been something we've seen across a lot of the players at the club level leading up to this world cup. I think that's almost like a side effect of having this mid season world cup where you start to see some of these guys get injured and Reina coming off a, you know, an up and down period of injuries may be kind of, you know, falling into that same pattern where it's like, you know, I, I we're really close to crunch time here. Yeah. Um, it's in the back of my mind that if I go all out on this tackle, maybe I hurt myself or, or something to that extent. So I, I wouldn't read too much into that. I think you're, you're on point with that. I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's right. Especially like uh, I, you said, given his, his injury history over the last year, it's uh, you can understand why he would want to um, take it easy in the last three or four games before the world cup. No doubt. So those are the two stars. Um, is there anybody else you're expecting to step up? Any breakouts, any surprises, any name that maybe people who are new to this aren't so familiar with yet? Uh, I think I think Eunice Musa is right there with those two in terms of talent and upside. And he's such an important player for us. It's similar to Reyna, his we talk about cage match ability in our on our podcast a lot. They're so they're both so good in a cage match. You know, the ball, the ball is a little bit up for grabs or two people are fighting for it. Eunice and Gio seems like they almost always come away with it. And um, that's really important for us. Eunice's ability to win those battles and to, and to carry the ball past people and, you know, unbalance the defense to use a little jargon. Um, other one is Tim Weah. And I, and I think he, he's, I think he's still a little bit under, underappreciated for what he did for the U S in qualifying. Definitely. He, he he makes a lot of clever he's very clever off the ball and we don't have anybody else who really does that i think he he's going to be um he's going to be important as well yeah i think for me a name to keep an eye on is going to be a guy that i would guess will come off the bench off the bench and josh sargent um you know if the united states find themselves in the point where they're chasing a goal um, whether that's to, to pull level or, or take the lead, I think he's going to be that guy that they look to. And he's been playing really well for Norwich in the Champions League or in the Champions uh, Championship, where he, he's got nine goals so far and, and I think 15 or 16 matches already this season. So he's definitely picked up some form, and I could see him carrying that over and being the guy that they call upon. So that's kind of the guy I'm, I'm keeping my eye on as a, a potential you're, breakout name. You feel pretty sure he's not going to start? I feel like I don't know that he is. I think uh, a lot of the, the chatter that I've seen has been like a, a top of like Wea, Reina, and um, Pulisic, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, because didn't uh, there was Grant Wall asked Wea if he if he was going to play the nine um, just a couple of days ago, and Wea was like, ah, I think you should ask Berhalter about that. So everybody's uh, reading into that like, oh, Wea's just you know trying to keep the secret. I do not. I don't buy it. I don't think Wea will play on the at the nine. I think it's okay. going to be. I, um, if I had to guess, I'd say Sergeant will start against Wales. Okay. That's who I would start. He's the 
He's definitely he's in form. Arm. If he if yeah. he's starting, then yeah, for sure. I, I think he's got that ability. So I would be totally okay if that's the decision that they go with. How do you guys feel about my boy, Brendan Aronson? Because I love him. I think that he is just a level above in the midfield. He thinks the game at such a high level. And for whatever reason, he's not getting every single game with leads. But I don't know. I think he deserves it. Yeah, I... You have to agree with me. And it, well, I you know this is like a big controversy on our podcast, but um, let's hear it. I've always been I've always been a little bit of a Brendan skeptic. I think he has proved he's sort of continually proved me wrong. Um, you know, just by going to Leeds for thirty million dollars, that was like that's a I never would have guessed that when he was playing for you know coming off the bench for Philadelphia playing spot minutes, but um, I don't know. I I, I used to think he was gonna be overrun in midfield too weak too small you know he spends a lot of time on his ass for leads he gets fouled a lot or am i not allowed to say that on this no. podcast no, okay no, just... yeah he gets he gets fouled a lot he goes down a lot um so I, w- I would worry a little bit about him in the midfield but i mean you cannot fault his work ethic um he his his enterprise he he wants to make things happen out there i expect him to play a important role i maybe start against England that that's how probably how I would draw it up have him start against England and just harass the crap out of them um and wear him out I think against I, I think it's very possible that he starts against Wales too in the midfield let's talk about your boy Greggy um uh, Scotty and I have been pretty hard on him over the course of uh this podcast so I, I want your unbiased opinion here it's his first real big test um, you know, outside of some of these competitions we spoke about, right, outside of qualifying or the Gold Cup or the CONCACAF Nations League, um, you know, you already raised a few questions on who is he going to start and what's the formation going to look like? What what do you expect or do you not expect anything? I expect, um, yeah, I, I expect us to, we have to find a way to get somebody on the ball in the middle of the field. I know I already said that, but it, it, particularly in the, against Wales against Wales we got to we have to play the we have to play the ball on the ground into the into zone 14 you know that space in front of the box on, on top of the box and then work off of that and and whether that's Reina or Aronson or whether it's Sargent dropping deep or even Jesus Ferreira dropping deep I, I know some people will be triggered by that but I think he's he's capable of this he's deserved this call at the very least yeah he he I have my reservations about him, but he can he can drop in and cook a little bit, uh receiving the ball at his feet. We gotta do that. That's the only way to break down Wales. Ukraine did a pretty good job of it. They just couldn't finish uh in that playoff game. Austria did a I think a less good job of it, uh and also lost. So, you know, we're gonna have to do better than those two teams, and those those are two pretty good teams. So we gotta figure out how to do that against Wales. I think against England, it's a totally different equation. They're gonna they're gonna want to come out and play. They want they want to have the ball. So that I think that plays much more into our hands. We just we just go with the straight Musa McKenny Adams midfield and try to win transition moments. And I think we'll I assume we'll play with a certain level of freedom against England because nobody expects us to win. There's no like expectation on us in that game. I think we sh- I think we could come out and surprise people in that game. Um, and then I think Iran will be similar to the Wales game where they're going to be very disciplined stay very low and, you know, uh, challenge us to break them down. 
And that's the big question. Can we, can we break somebody down? And I don't know that, you know, Berhalter came in sort of with the mandate, the self-professed mandate that that's what he's going to do. And it's, it hasn't quite materialized yet. So never a better time than the world cup. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's an interesting dynamic to watch out for. And in the group too, I mean, if you look at the managers, Gareth Southgate from England, he's also been someone that's often criticized. And, you know, I think Rob Page is, is still Wales manager and he's been, you know, I think lauded for, for what he's done with them for the past, you know, a couple, couple cycles, but I, I think, think it's, so, it's, yeah. it's kind of like a, um, almost a make or break a tournament for, for Southgate right now. Cause he was on the hot seat for a while, then had some success. And then now I think people are starting to kind of question him again. Um, and then with Bear Helter, I know there's a lot of focus on, Hey, we got a young group of really talented players, this, this tournament, but we're also looking forward, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit more. We're also looking down the road at maybe even the next world cup when these guys are in their prime, who's the right guy to kind of really showcase that talent. Um, I think we're going to see, you know, two managers that are, are really trying to to show out. Um, and, and I think Bear Helter has a, a good opportunity here to, to make a, a case for himself. Yeah. And hopefully he, you know, he does well enough that he can get a good job in Europe and sort of continue his um, coaching career. I hope he doesn't stick around for another cycle. Oh, cool. Uh, okay. Glad there that you, you said it. And I didn't have, I mean, I, I'm really of the belief like fair or not fair. He reminds me of a coach from, you know, like when the MLS first started, like his tactics are still there right in the late nineties. I don't feel like he's evolved this team with all the talent he has at his disposal. Um, so I'm I'm absolutely right there with you. I mean, I, what do you think it's going to take for him to keep his job or want to keep his job? Like, what's the what's the? Minimum? I suspect he doesn't want to keep it. Okay. I, sus- I mean, uh, that's that'd be my guess. He's never said that, but um, you know, some of the some of the rumblings from like plugged in beat reporters are that he's not he's not going to stick around. Which why would he want to? I mean that 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 would be like. Uh, I don't know. If I were a manager, I'd want to go over to I want to go over to Europe and and challenge myself and try to win a, win some trophies. He uh, if he stays with the US, he's got like basically a 2-year dormant period and yeah. and some friendlies here and there. It's true. CONCACAF yeah. is not as uh as much fun as, you know, Euros or yeah. something to that extent. So it's harder to keep right. people through that full cycle. It's weird that Southgate has been around for two cycles too, yeah. I think. It's a, it's an unusual thing for a national team to have the same coach for two cycles. It doesn't happen very often. Especially we're seeing it with a lot younger coaches, right? It used to be coaches would be in their fifties or sixties and they didn't care. They'd stick around, but now it's guys like Southgate Mancino in their forties. Very rare. Just, just an extremely patriotic guy, I guess. <laughs> Can't fault him for know. that. Um, so of course we're going to bring in a little bit of betting here, but um, you know, what did you think? when this group was drawn together, you know, we talked about the matches uh, right now, the United States and Wales are basically a toss up. They're just about even odds to advance from the group. Um, you know, do you think that opening matchup is pivotal? Do you, does either side need to win it in order to get out of this group? Yes, I think, well, you know, if they, if it's a draw, I think everybody's sort of still alive. But if we were to lose to Wales, I think that would be well. I don't know what the math is, but the the math gets really dark really fast. It's not right? good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess that's that's all I know. I okay. I um, I I think though too the Wales and Iran games are both very tricky, and um, 
England game less so, even though it might be like objectively more difficult. So we'll see. Yeah, I think uh, as far as like how they how the groups kind of fell into place, I think it's a good group for the U.S. I mean, as far as getting England as you know the top dog in their group, that's probably about as as good as they could hope for, especially for getting some of the you know the, the fans that are going to be tuning in for the first time. They're going to want to see that matchup. Um, Wales, I think, is like you said, Adam. I think they are a trickier matchup than maybe a lot of people might realize. They've been performing Definitely. really well on the the international stage for many or for at least the past you know three or four years. So uh it'll be that'll be you know it, it sucks if that's their first one um because it feels like a loss there really does like almost end any sort of positive vibes you have with this this u.s team going into the world cup in like day two basically day one and a half really um, yeah so it, it would have been nice maybe if they had it, uh, iran in the first matchup um, maybe a little bit more chance to, to get a win get some good vibes going get a little momentum and then whether it's england two or wales two i don't think it matters at that point but um, right got to hope for at least them holding serve and, and hey you know who knows maybe you get a couple lucky bounces i think you guys said it on your your primer you said you know us is good enough where they just need a little bit of luck and they can make some some things happen so um it's, yeah i think what i said was we could what i've been saying is we could we could lose all three of these games and it and and we could even lose all three of these games and play well i mean yeah. soccer's a cruel cruel sport mm-hmm. um but we could also you know we could also win all three of them it's not like wouldn't be crazy. Yeah. I mean, be a little crazy. Be a little crazy, but no, I think you're right. Think all that. three games are winnable. There's not one opponent yes. here that you're looking at. And, and England's coming in with some injury issues, right? You know, uh, Reese James and Ben Chilwell. I think we're pretty much locked in to be their their starting wing backs, and um, now Southgate's going to have to kind of reconfigure that up. So it'll be interesting. I think it's definitely a winnable game for sure. Um, and much rather face them than Brazil or, or Germany, Argentina. Or France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to that point, I mean, England is a massive favorite to win this group. They are minus 280. So, you know, you'd have to wager $280 to win $100. Um, the U.S. and Wales are both sitting at plus 500. So big underdogs there. Do you think there's any shot England doesn't actually win this group? Or is it absolutely theirs to lose? It's totally a shot. So so, so help me with the math here. If you put down $100 on England not winning the group you win five hundred dollars if you put it on us or or wales for example basically yeah. you'd have to pick oh, the, okay. one of the other teams yeah okay yeah i mean there, i'm sure there is a bet of england to not qualify i just don't yeah. have it in front of me right right right. okay but, yeah i don't know man that's not a that's not a bad investment i don't think <laughs> it's certainly fun to root it's for like who US knows fan, you know right yeah because even if well, you don't you know like let's say let's put this scenario out there right like let's say u.s loses to wales like that sucks but you still have the opportunity to play spoiler against england right so if you can go in and match two and like you know beat england now all of a sudden wales is the favorite to win that group england has to kind of go into that matchup and match three against wales and beat them in order to try to potentially advance right because who knows what iran does um so i think if you if you are a u.s fan that is a fun bet to do because it kind of gives you a hedge even if u.s loses that first matchup against wales you still got you know something to root for yeah i'm i'm about i'm I'm gonna log in right after this and do it there you go there you go and i think um if i read correctly today uh the united states has the third most amount of money on them to win the world cup uh, here in the U.S. and I, you know that's they have very very long shot odds, but I think that's just our natural patriotism coming in. Yeah, uh, but don't worry about it, guys. That's why we brought Adam in here to tell you how it can happen. Yeah, I mean, I I 
I don't, you know, I just want to be clear. I'm not saying we're going to win the group or England's not going to win the group. I think, I think the most likely outcome is England wins the group. Of course, yeah, that's why the odds makers that. put it that way, but it's not. Um, I think England could implode. They have, they, ha- like you guys said, they have not been playing well. They have some injuries. They have Harry Maguire in the back, Luke Shaw, yeah. the Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw left side of their defense is um, susceptible. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm su- uh, I'm going to be super excited about that game on Black Friday, even if even if we lose to Wales. Which yeah, a lot of a lot of boozy suck. brunches in the U.S. on on Black Friday, I'm sure. Oh, no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. And then, what what do you make of the Iran game, um, Iran? Do you think? I mean, obviously, it's a must win, no matter what happens. But is it a game that we're maybe overlooking? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, they're going to be like. They're going to be super disciplined and careful, and they do have uh, Taremi, that striker for Porto, who's scoring like boatloads of goals both last season and this season. I mean, that's a good club that's still in the Champions League, uh, still alive in Champions League, and he's a you know he's a match winner for them. So I yeah I think I think Iran. I know the odds aren't as good of them getting out of the group. I don't think they're that much worse than Wales or the U.S. And they have. I know Sardar Osmund, the the their other striker at Bayer Leverkusen. He's I think he's a little dealing with a knock right now, so maybe he won't play. He's a very good player too. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just they're all going to be a battle, you know, like a really really tough game. And we you know we do a, a series on our podcast where we watch old World Cup games, and um. And recap them, and we watched the old uh, the one we lost two to one to Iran in nineteen ninety eight. Did that a few months ago, and it you know, the they were they were we were the better team. I think it's fair to say, but there's that's a soccer culture. That's a serious soccer culture. They got yeah, they got people can play. This game means more to them. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Right, this is their. I I was going to say this is their World Cup. It's at the World Cup. I mean, this is their like Super Bowl of World Cups. Right, playing against the U.S. Yeah, they want to stick it to us for sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, thinking about the U.S., where we are, right, ultimately I think uh, we all kind of said they're building towards this 2026 roster, right, where we'll be co-hosting. I think everybody here is going to be insanely excited about it. Um, what, this tournament, you know, we, we ran through the group, we ran through the roster. What do you think the minimum is to consider it a success? Hmm. I mean, I'll give you an, uh, a sort of basic answer and then a more idealistic Please. one. The, the basic answer is we got to get out of the group. You know, that's sort of like, I think people think of that as the baseline for us. Yeah. Fairly or not. I mean, we, we, we've we had some some good luck to get out of groups in the past. And I don't know that it's an earned expectation that we have, but that is the expectation. So that, I think that's the, that's the basic answer. Um, my sort of idealistic answer is if we whether we get out of the group or not, if we go into these games and we really give people something to be excited about goals, almost scoring goals, uh, you know, six, some exciting soccer. I think that could be a success, even if we don't get out of the group. Cause like I said earlier, soccer can be very cruel. We may not, we may lose a game that we deserve to win. Um, people at this world cup will lose games that they deserve to win and will win games that they deserve to lose. That's just how it works. So um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, but I do think 
I just want to see us um, be dangerous and score goals and, or, or, or like almost score goals, you know? Yeah. I think for me, it's definitely, yeah, let's, let's get out of the group. You know, I think that's definitely a, if you do that, then you can be, you know, pleased with how they performed. Yeah. I'd also like to see them overcome some form of adversity, whether it's within a game or within a certain scenario within the group, because if we are, you know, keeping our eyes at 2026, that sort of experience, I think, becomes invaluable when, you know, as young players being able to, you know, be encountered with something where whether you're behind and you're chasing goals or you need a must win game against Iran in, in you know, match three. And we know that that's going to be a tricky game and uh, you're able to kind of, you know, meet the occasion um, and, and, and you know, succeed in that sense. Uh, that's the type of stuff that I think you can build off of as you look forward to, you know, this, this squad gelling and then, you know, coming together when they're all going to be pretty much in their prime, prime years between 24, 25, 26. Uh, and, and you can really see that kind of be like a, a jumping pad for, for success in, in the next cycle. Yeah, I like that. There will yeah, be adversity, be, so yeah. will they overcome it? Is the question. Yeah, I think they can. I think we've we've kind of hit a point, right? From a from a footballing standpoint, we want to see them get out of the group at minimum every tournament. So I'm right with you guys there. I'm going to say, from a fantasy standpoint, and it's the last time I'll say it. It's we we need to make the country fall in love with the game just a little bit more, right? We we've ten we've done that for five six World Cups now. I feel like right every four years. We get into it, and and I think this is—it's not our last chance, but we we shouldn't need to do it anymore after this tournament. And if we can do that, and if some of these guys become household names, that to me is a massive success because you know we we need to get there. And uh, I'm hoping this is going to be the most bet on World Cup in the history of the United States. I hope more people come and listen to my podcast. That's you know just reality, and hopefully the U.S. helps them do that. Surely they will. Yeah. No, you know my my big my big um, mantra over the past couple of weeks is the Wales game is so important because if we beat them and, you know, fingers crossed, do it in a little bit of style, a couple of nice goals that people can watch on sports center. Then the buildup to that game against England is going to be, you know, it's going to be lit as the kids yeah. used to say, the kids used to say, say that, I think, do they still, still say, yeah, I think they are. Okay. Um, we are anyway. I don't know. <laughs> So, so I, I really think like that Wales game is is super important because people are going to be interested in the England game. They'll be a lot more interested in it if they know that we won our first game and there's like you know really some some momentum behind the team. Um, so I think that that it's we I think it's weird how stuff becomes popular and how you know it's a little bit it can be a little bit random. And but I think that little setup is important. Yeah, I think you're spot on because if you see someone who is unfamiliar with the game and they have that they encounter that atmosphere that i'm sure will be created in countless bars across the country come black friday with us with three points going up against england as a potential group winning game right whoever wins that match could be the group winner i think there'll be people that maybe fall in love with the game because of that sort of atmosphere that's the type of experience right. that people can kind of latch on to and then be like you know what like now i want to find like a club or i want to find a player that i can follow and then be ready for like the next cycle. And again, I'm sure we're going to see tons of commercials where it's like, you know, World yeah. Cup 2026 US and people are going yeah. to go, oh, like that's going to be in my backyard. Like I'm going to be able to go to these games. Like I want to be, you know, up with it and, and ready for when this comes to my my neighborhood in four years. Yeah. Yeah. It's set up really well. We just have to win the game on Monday, right? That's, that's all we have to do. Easy. <laughs> 
So a couple of uh, quick bets that I want to throw out there. Don't worry about the math here. I just want your opinion on the likelihood of these bets. Uh, a few interesting ones here for the U.S. So we can book uh, over under points for the tournament. So uh, right now that is set for the United States at three and a half points. Do you expect them to go over or under that number? Well, well. So let me let me ask. So the, at at minus one forty, that means you got to put down one hundred forty bucks to get a hundred bucks yeah, for them exactly to get right. four points. We turn this man now. into a better in three <laughs> minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I mean, just from a purely objective point of view, I think that um, we, that should be a that should be a more uh, lucrative bet than it is. Ooh, doesn't like the value then, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think uh, you're basically betting on U.S. to get a win against one of these three opponents. You know, probably Iran, but as we just discussed throughout this this episode, that's not a not a guarantee. Uh, it's going to be trickier than I think a lot of people expect. So, um, I would agree. I think I would like to bet that, but the, the value isn't really yeah, all that enticing. A win and a draw, and that's that's basically what we've said is the minimum for success here, though. It's true, but I I guess I I would say anything can happen, you know? I mean, it, it, the narrative is going to be like the, the team is shit if we don't get out of the group and everybody's gonna be mad, including me. But you know, the reality is I think more complicated than that. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't love that bet. Okay. All right. Um, so how about for top goal scorer for the U S um, and I'm going to, I'm going to rattle them off in most likely to least likely, um, you know, and, how the sports books favor them right now. So Pulisic is uh, our number one guy. He is plus 250 to lead the team in goals. So bet 100, win 250. Uh, Ferreira is next at plus 300. Reyna plus 400. Wea, who you mentioned, is plus 1,000. Do you think any of these four are the team leader in goals? Or if you do, which one do you like? Or is it somebody else? Yeah, no I think it's Sergeant. somebody else. I think yeah. it's going to be Sergeant. Yeah, what's okay. what's the number on Sergeant? Oh, man, now I now I got to find him. Give me a second. That almost because if it's over a thousand, if it's over a thousand, you get somebody got to take that bet. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I would like that too. I mean, it is it is interesting that Ferreira's up there. I would almost seem that books are expecting him. Maybe I think to he start starts. Yeah, I think nine. he starts. So it's not looking good for for my boy Josh Sargent to to be starting. But like I said, even if he's coming off the bench, I do like him as that like spark that. You know, if we're chasing a goal or, or a result, I think he totally has the capability to do that, especially if it's, you know, one of those subs where it's not exactly like for like, whether you're taking off a, a midfielder for another attacker, et cetera. Yeah. I hope you guys are wrong about Ferreira starting, but you you might not be. Books books seem to think that he's going to be starting, but we've always said the the goal scorer props are usually the least accurate because definitely times you'll see players that are injured and not even be playing will be up in like the top three, top five. Okay. So. All right. I apologize. Yeah. Foul on my part for not being able to locate it, but I'm going to guess that he's probably in that 500 to a thousand realm, right? He's got to be a little bit of a longer shot than the first three. That'd be a good bet. I think Reyna and McKenney are also good bets for, you know, if you're getting over plus 400 for, well, you're getting 400 for Reyna, right? Plus 400 yeah. for Reyna. If you get plus 400 or more from McKenney, I think that would be worth throwing a little money that way. I don't know yeah, how betters to... do it. Yeah. Do you bet on like three different guys to be the top goal scorer? Or do you kind of I like mean, theoretically, you could, right? If you're yeah. trying to spread it around a little bit. But um, 
know, I think Sargent's the guy. If Provided he starts that first game, I think that's a great bet. So I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, and, the, the, you know, McKenney's, you know, McKenney's going to get some chances on set pieces, and he is, uh, he's a monster, heading the ball in, in the in the back of the net. Sergeant so that's is another plus one, six fifty. So there you okay. go, in that range. Thank you for finding that. Yeah, take that bet, um, but then, but then Berhalter could um, screw you and not play him very much. <laughs> Certainly could. Yeah, and the last one, which. Um, you know, don't love the odds, but I, I thought this number was super interesting. We can bet on total goals for the tournament for the United States. It's currently at two and a half goals. So over under two and a half, it's minus 200, which means you have to bet 200 to win 100. But do you think the U.S. gets over that hump and it's an easy three plus goal tournament for the guys? Um, yes, I think they will. Mm-hmm. Scotty riding with that one. Yeah, I do. Uh, I th- you know, it, even if if the first result against Wales doesn't go their way, I think that almost frees them up to kind of just, you know, show out. It's like at that point, it's like, what do we have to lose? Um, that might even open them up a bit more. So I think they get over two and a half for sure. I think three, four, definitely in play. You're willing to lay the 200 for it? Sure. I, I am. I back I like my guys. It. Yeah. That's my favorite bet right here. I think, I think they get at least one against Wales. I think they get a surprise goal somewhere that we don't, we're not thinking about yet. And I think they can get to against Iran. So I like them to get three. And obviously if they move out of the group, that bet is still valid, right? It's not just for the group stage. So if they make it to the next round, just another game to get that third goal, if you need it. Yeah. They'll score four against Brazil. Possible. (laughs) Book it. Can't rule it out. Now, Adam, uh, anything else that we should be thinking about as this tournament gets ready to go? Uh, Anything we didn't cover here today? Mm. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything. Enjoyed this, though. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, please tell the listeners, dude. Tell them what you're doing, what you guys have already done, how they could find you, why they should be listening if they aren't already. Yeah, uh, we do um, We do a show, a, a patron-only show every week on mondays that is with me and chris russell who is known as walkie on twitter and um and then vince a guy in louisville and that's you know that's sort of like our regular episode every week greg and i greg velasquez and i we we recap all the games we do a lot of the sort of more serious stuff throughout the you know throughout the year and we're going to be doing an episode every every day next week um sometimes two and uh just you know, check us out. We're on all the scuffed soccer. If you search scuffed soccer on any of the platforms, you'll find it. And then we're at p- patreon.com forward slash scuffed if you want to, you know, join us. I'm going to link to it when we post this. Um, you guys did a great 15 minute podcast primer on what to expect with the US uh, men's team. And I think it's really approachable for anybody that's just getting into to soccer. So Send it to your aunt, send it to your uncle, your brother, your dad that is just trying to get caught up to speed right before the, the World Cup kicks off. I think it's a really good entry podcast for those those people. Good. I'm glad you liked it. I I wasn't sure about it because that's not our usual mode. You know, we're usually very in the weeds. Yeah. So it's a bit of a uh, code switch. We are too, for what it's worth. <laughs> so definitely appreciate it. Thank you again so much for coming on. You open invite to come back anytime now that you're a professional better and you know what to look for. Uh We'll be taking all your picks from here on out. And let's just hope Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks, Nick. 
Thanks, Scott. 